Hey, soul, welcome back. It is your host, Haley. And if you are new, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Today, our guest is Sarah Stockham, and she's actually my Reiki master. That's how I know Sarah. So I learned how to do Reiki from Sarah, and she teaches me. She's my mentor. I learn things from her all the time, even though I'm you know, not in immediate contact with her every day. So I learned so much from her, but today she talks about how life likes to teach us things and how to choose to live intentionally. She also shares how Reiki has shaped her life and what it was like growing up in Congo and how it was for her coming to the U.S. So I'm so excited to have her here. This is an amazing conversation. And like I said, I learned so much from Sarah. I know that you're going to learn so much from this episode. We go into different relationships, um, just with self and finances and Papa. And, you know, if you don't know what that means, we're not talking about grandpa, but Sarah will tell you what Papa means later on in this episode. So it's an amazing one. Thank you for being here. I do, however, want to give you a heads up. I just realized that I made a mistake with my microphone, and for some reason, my cord to my microphone has been messed up. So I do apologize that in this episode, there is some popping, and it just kind of sounds a little scratchy on my end. Again, I do apologize, but I did just find out what the problem was. You know, you would think after 35 episodes that I would know what I was doing, but like like (laughs) this episode you know, the message of this episode, life likes to teach us things. So the old Haley would totally freak out and not want to publish or post this episode. But you know what, it's still so good. It's just my side is, you know, a little poppy. But Sarah's audio is great. So it's an amazing one. Enjoy. Hey there, welcome to the Unfiltered Soul podcast where we get down and dirty with the real talk. I'm your host, Haley Navarro, and I'm here to let you know that you are not alone. Each week, I interview people who are sharing their unfiltered stories, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful. You're going to hear real life advice on overcoming obstacles that life likes to throw at us, especially the stuff that nobody likes to talk about. Are you ready to make some major self-improvements? Great. Me too. Let's go. Welcome back, souls. Today, I have somebody very special with me. Her name is Sarah Stockham, and she is my Reiki master. So I haven't really talked too much about Reiki on this podcast yet because I've just been having guests on, but I am so happy to have Sarah here with us. Like I said, she is so special to me and just a ray of light and sunshine and Honestly, Reiki has been a part of my life for the last 10-ish years, but it wasn't really until I had a session with with Sarah where I actually felt different. I felt something and I was like, absolutely, yes, Reiki is a real thing. So Sarah, thank you for that opportunity and that just being able to experience Reiki through you, it has been amazing. But yes, so Sarah, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, Haley, it is such an honor to be here with you and to be with all the souls that are listening in. And um, I would love for us to have a little conversation about how life teaches us things. So learning life lessons and then choosing to live intentionally after we've come through some of those pieces. And obviously, part of my story is going to be about how um, Reiki has reshaped my life. And I also completely believe if you happen to think that you are a late bloomer, as some people would potentially label it, um, I believe that everything in our life can continue to build into new pieces of new things. And so if you are um, in the moment watching other people who seem to be further in some area than you are, um, I just want you to know that I'm cheering you on because things are getting ready to unfold for you in new and different ways. And it's not a comparison across the board. It's about you learning from your own life and then choosing from what you have learned to live intentionally. I love that because I resonate with that, you know, especially in my 20s. I'm 32. 
I'm 32, right? Yeah, I'm 32. So in my early 20s, up until mm, I still struggle with it, something that I do and I'm like, oh my goodness, I keep rushing to do something and I have to keep reminding myself through through you, through myself, through Jessica, like <laughs> everything and everybody that I talk to, I'm like, you are exactly where you need to be <laughs> doing exactly what you need to be doing, how you're supposed to be doing it. And it's it's a it's a life lesson that I'm still trying to learn every day. <laughs> so Well, friend, I'm 56 and I'm still learning the life lesson. And I think it's part of the part of the beauty if we're willing to start looking at our lives and looking at the lessons that have been there laid out just for us, mm -hmm. it becomes this beautiful banquet that we're able to say, ah, I'm beginning to see how when I move into this space, if I can just wait just a little bit longer, other pieces are going to open up and move differently. And so it becomes less of a, I have to do it this way into a, oh, this could be, this could turn into something that I can't quite see yet, mm -hmm. but there are some pieces that remind me of things that I've gone through in the past that have been difficult, but yet I came out on the other side and learned so much in that process. So if we can, I'd love to talk a little bit about that there are four different categories, I guess, as a way of saying it, um, that I look at my life and just kind of uh, measuring in some ways, looking at other ways and just kind of being aware, but the, the four of them, I, you can call them pillars, you can call them what you want to, is that my relationship with source that I call Papa, um, some would say intelligent design, some would say God, um, but my my favorite is, is Papa. Um, my relationship with myself, which might be the best place for us to start. Um, my relationship with finances, with money, with what abundance feels like or doesn't feel like. And then my relationship with my body, my being, uh, my health. And so maybe the best place for us to jump in is we learn and then live intentionally is in the area of self. Is that a good place to start? I think, yes. I just know that anything that you say, Sarah, is going to be golden. So I'm so, I'm ready for this. I'm here for it. <laughs> I will let you just, just take it away, Sarah. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, I think a couple pieces without going too far in depth in my story is that um, I, my parents worked on um, building schools and hospitals in Congo, which is the central part of Africa, and that I look very different than my siblings. Um, I'm the youngest, and they have super beautiful black dark hair. And when I was born, I was a towhead. And so I looked different from the very beginning. And so that set the stage in some different ways for me to start looking at how I was different. Um, I have a mind that can easily move into science and math and medicine, which is where my family um, spends a lot of our conversation time. I have sisters that are um, double board certified physician and another one who is registered dietitian. And, and so the conversations about those kinds of things come up very, very easily. And I chose to be a music major. And part of that was because as a child, I remember dancing with the drums at the, in the village and how incredible that was in Congo, that, that I felt so alive in those moments. And so that the dance with vibration for me began very, very early. And it's not too surprising that I eventually found or Reiki found me. Um, but in that process were years where I came back to the States for college, actually moved, started college in Indiana and then moved out here because I was too cold there. And in that process, um, decided it was really important for me to marry. You know, I was kind of following along the lines of what we, I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And as a third culture kid, I looked like I should fit in, um, but I, I didn't have the references for television shows or um, money or anything like that because I had grown up with a completely different system. And people would look at me again, like, you should know this. And I was like, I, I don't know this. And so learning to feel comfortable inside of my skin and in those spaces as well. And part of that decision for me was to marry right out of college. And it seemed like a really good decision at the time. And um, not long into it, he had an affair with the cousin to the number one drug runner into our area at the time. And I had never tried dr drugs. I'm not a goody two shoes, but I share this part of the story with you because it took that shocking experience for me 
to find a loaded gun in the place that we were renting for me to know that something was really, really different than what I had understood my life to be about. And that really began for me an opportunity to grow. Um, and I wasn't happy about having to grow, Haley. I'll just put that out there for you. <laughs> um, and I know that you've had um, people who have, other people who have talked about therapy and other things. And I have to tell you that going twice a week uh, for a period of time, it, it was more important than buying groceries. There came a point in my life where just having somebody speaking life into my life was and giving me some clarity. But out of that incredible crisis and eventual divorce was the fact that I had a new understanding of what it meant to have a family. I was loved by my parents, not because I was their child and had their last name or whatever. I was loved because they saw me being different than my siblings and they loved me. And that was such a growing experience for me because I hadn't I hadn't experienced that in that level, in that way before. And then the other learning of that is this incredible community of loyal friends that I had around me and that I didn't realize that I had been leaning on until I was in the crisis and realized that I needed people. I had been quite self-sufficient. I had been in so many different ways, um, you know, practicing piano for hours, I was on my own and, and, and that had made sense for me. And now that I was in a different position and I was teaching, um, it just became this incredible f- belief and realization of, of having friends. And then I also, um, my understanding of who Papa was completely radically changed because now it was about my personal growth about where I was and did I believe that there was anything bigger than me, anything more than this life. And that was the first huge crisis that began to open doors for me to understand that what I had been marinating in, reading the ancient scriptures, reading, singing the old songs, all of those things, all of a sudden came to life. And it had not, had it, had it not been for that crisis, I would not have learned that I could be much more intentional about what I was choosing to see in my life. Yeah. Wow. I just want to take it back to, you said you didn't really, you grew up in Conga, so you didn't have any references. Um, What was that like growing up in Conga and then coming, coming to the States? And what was that like? Cause I can't imagine I've, I've born and raised here in America in California. So like, I have no real context of what it's like to live outside of California. So for me, there are a number of incredible pieces that my parents were incredibly well loved where we where they were working and what they were bringing. They um, consistently were talking to the people who were around them and consistently asking Um, if this was the right next step. Because when you come into a space and you want to build something for someone else, you see it out of your own eye and out of your own experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And so in Congo, they would choose to go to the Congolese and they would say to them, you know, is this this what we're thinking? And does this make sense? And every single tribe is different and every tribe is different, not only in their language, but also in some spaces in, in their foods that they eat. Congo is the size of America east of the Mississippi. So it's a very, very large region filled with all kinds of different minerals and, and industrial diamonds and waterfalls where they can do um, you know, the hydroelectricity. Um, so Congo has a tremendous amount of resources that are there. However, when they came into um, the powers that be to make the lines where the country should be after World War One, the Europeans looked at it and they said, oh, there's a huge mountain here for Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, there's a huge river here for the Congo River. Let's use those kinds of things, which made sense to the Western mind, but to the tribes that had been living there for thousands of years, it didn't make sense. They wanted their tribes to be together. Mm-hmm. So part of the issues that have taken place um, in the 60s um, have been the multiple issues that have taken place, especially in Shaba in the lower part of Congo and the northern part of Angola, is that there is a tribe that wants to be together. And so you, growing up, I have to tell you, was for me a tremendous experience because we lived on the edge of the equatorial rainforest 
And so we would have nearly 12 hours of day and night every single day. And yes, there would be a rainy season where you would have a lot of rain, but there was also a dry season and that you could go out and you could see the stars at night. Mm-hmm. And the place that I would consider home, um, because we moved around, you know, when projects were done, we'd move to another place, um, had an airstrip very, very close to the cinder block house that we lived in. And our evenings after dinner would be to go walk with our dog. Um, on the airstrip and just go look at the stars and take it all in. And so I had an incredible, in terms of people talking about eating organic and choosing to walk, all those kinds of things that was built into my life. Um, Living, you know, living in this particular area, everything was organic and we walked to everything that we did. And so um, I appreciate people talking about taking care of themselves and taking care of their bodies and making spaces for those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Back to finding a gun in the apartment. So that just shook everything up that, and you were like, okay, I know this is not right. And I think it, like you said, it just goes back to the importance of having family and having community to lean on and, and tribe really. And so you were able to finally feel that love from your parents because you were just theirs and it just is right. It just, it just is. And what was that like once you finally realized that in that, in that way? It it was really life-changing for me. Um, For people who are triggered, they might want to consider the next part that I'm going to talk about and just to kind of pace themselves through it. But I think since we're at this point that it's, and I, I said to you before we came on the show, I, I am choosing to be unfiltered. I won't necessarily use names, but I'm, I'm choosing because there are people who need to hear this part of the story. Um, I have a cleft lip in part because my parents were in Congo and um, there was a civil war going on and my dad was taken hostage. And so my mom was pregnant with me at that point where that's the part of the body that's, that's growing. Right. But in this, I have two older sisters and, um, they were airlifted. They were allowed to leave. Um, and so they went to another place and then waited. And my mom talks today about how being pregnant with me was something that really helped them through their crisis because they needed to be able to see each other again. And my dad was taken out and to be shot and he wasn't, the gun misfired and he lived. And I I had my dad until about 10 years ago. And so, but it it hugely impacted my sisters to see what was going on, the age that they were at. And um, both of them are incredibly intelligent. Um, And one of them became, as we began to move into middle school and high school, began to see that there was some residual from all of that trauma that began to show up in her life as being anorexic. And then it moved into bulimia and then it moved into hospitalization multiple times. And so the attention in my family had been around, we all need to survive. And if this is the point that is the the point of crisis, then this is where our energy and our time is going to go. And so it wasn't that I felt left out. I just knew where I was in terms of the health, right? Mm -hmm. The mental health part of it, all of those different pieces. And it was so critical that we made sure that we surrounded and got the help that we needed to. So so for me then to come into this space of what I was going through, there was a little bit of a, do I share this with my parents who are overseas, who they have a plate that's already pretty full, Um, and then just realized, you know what, this is where we are. This is my life. This is what's going on. They have to know they have to be kept in, in the conversation. And so I felt in some moments and ways, like the attention was being shifted onto me, but yet in other ways, it felt like I hadn't realized that, that I had been loved throughout because all the attention was over here. It felt like that at times, but there, there was other, that there is the capacity for love from a parent was bigger than my understanding as the youngest child. And what a beautiful experience that was for me to learn that and to be able to be inside of that and to be able to have conversations with both of my parents while they were still incredibly healthy. And um, so hope that that's not too much, friend. But yes, it was uh, a turning point in my relationship with my parents. 
Yeah, no, not at all. Never too much. Um, I'm just happy that you finally got to experience that unconditional love because some people, and like for you, for instance, before you felt that, some have, have just no idea what that's like. And for you to finally experience that is huge. So I'm so glad that you finally got to experience that. Me as well. And then to also realize how I fit into the family um, became a, you know, you think about that, you can do that you know, in your elementary years, maybe in middle school, high school years. And because we were living in Congo and because we were still out in the bush, as we called it, there was an American school that was in the capital city. And so one by one, siblings would go off to that, um, go to a boarding school to go live in middle school, high school, elementary for one of them and late elementary to be able to go do. And for us in California, we think, you know, why would you ever do that? Um, but it was believed at that time. And I have to tell you that my, uh, my OBGYN, um, when I had my daughter, that she's from here in California and her parents had sent her across the country to the East Coast to a boarding school for very, very similar reasons. And the reasons were they were looking for the very, very best education for these bright kids that they had. And I was never sent off because of my age and because of the location that my parents were assigned. I was able to go to that particular high school because my parents were assigned to work in the capital city at that point. Um, so just lots of different layers. And for the people who are listening in who may feel like that they have some of those aspects of being a third culture kid where you have grown up in one, you move to another, and that you are the third culture being the combination of those two, right? That's where you are living inside of. You are neither completely all of this or neither completely all of that. And it's a space that actually most people move to during their lifetime at some point. Uh, when they marry and they have their own family, you are working on putting those families together, right? And so now you don't have just the one tribe and just the other tribe, but it becomes these two parts that are coming together to create their own space of what it is that they are wanting out of life. And I just, I got that training early on. Wow, Sarah, thank you for sharing. A lot of us, like you said, a lot of us are taking and maybe not experiencing it how you have, but doing one thing, being completely something else, and then coming together. I like, I like that analogy because I can be a very visual person. So thank you for putting it in that way and explaining what that actually means for somebody who you know, like myself, I had no idea what you actually meant by a third culture. What was it? Third culture? Kid. Kid. Third culture kid. <laughs> yes. The adults, I don't know why the adults were never called third culture, but it was always the third culture kids. And I think that, that the terminology came from a book that was written because the kids would come off. We, you know, we would be overseas and then we would be sent back to America to go to college and that um, they began to notice that there were these patterns with kids. And, and it can happen with kids who were also military base, right? Mm -hmm. It just, it means that you're living in one place and then you keep moving around. And so that you have this very pantheistic view of life where it goes across the board where, you know, some people are raised very, very the Anglican. This is exactly yeah. what you believe and how you believe. But if you've moved around enough, you can see the stars from different hemispheres and you can go, wow, there's a creator mm -hmm. and what does that look like in different ways and how is that expressed different ways as well? And so it's not that we don't believe, and, and I'm not speaking for all third culture kids, yeah. um, but as I speak for myself, uh, I, I definitely have a very strong belief in Papa. Yeah. Um, but I also know that there, that I'm careful now, the older I've gotten, I'm careful in how I present that to other people, knowing that some people can be very, very um, stringent. And mm -hmm. there was a period of my life that I was that way. Yeah. And not to say either are good or bad, they just are, just like everything else is. But I like the idea that because you have been able to have different experiences, somebody like myself, who I really haven't, I've been, I've never really left the country. I've only been to Mexico, if that counts. But I don't have the experiences, you know, to, I don't want to say necessarily for my own opinions, because I think I can be very opinionated, but I just feel like you can have more experiences, have a little bit more of an understanding, maybe more well-rounded and, and come to that conclusion in your own way versus in a different way. And I absolutely agree with you. To some people though, as we talk a little bit about labels, some people would say that I'm aloof when it comes huh. to politics or those kinds of things. I grew up with a dictator. He came into 
um, his power through a bloodless coup and what he said was what everybody's, you know, willingly, mm-hmm. they got to vote. It was a democratic Republic, right? Everybody got to vote. Um, but it was, you know, you knew eight days ahead of time who was going to win. It was never any question about it. Um, and so, yes, I can see things from very many, many points of view mm-hmm. and, and, and in there can also be this, um, ability then when new information comes in to just go, oh, it's more new information rather than saying, I need to sift this. I need to look at this. I need to decide what it means to me as well. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit more about Papa. Yes. And I know, because I know you, I know Papa, God, source, higher self, it's not coming from a religion. It right. just, again, it just is. Will you just tell us a little bit more about, about that and how that has been able to impact your life? And I know you said that Ricky found you and just, will you just speak on that a little bit? Absolutely. Yes. And I, I appreciate your saying, this is my point of view and my experience and what I've learned in my life and then um, choose to be intentional about in terms of my quiet time in the morning. Um, I, uh, we were highly impacted in 2008 by all that was taking place. My husband took a 60% pay cut. Um, We had been in our house just for a few years. There wasn't much of any equity in it. Um, And I, um, at the time, was teaching and took a a pay cut as well. And so um, it just seemed like we were in a space of feeling like everything was just going. Everything was just um, moving away from us. And um, in that space, I was having some health issues and so I went to the doctor and um, they decided that over the course of two years, I needed to have two different surgeries to, to remove lumps. And um, thankfully, in each of the situations, um, there wasn't any cancer, but each, each surgery was a pretty major ordeal. And so in that space, then I began moving into not sleeping very much and very well. Um, that there began to be thyroid issues that we're dancing along with. And so the doctors, uh, one person, one doctor's response was, you know, you just need to be on a SSRI and, and gave me a, can't even think of the name of it right now, but gave me medication so that I would, you know, be able to be better. And I remember the day that I was out for a walk and I remember looking specifically at some flowers and they became very three-dimensional. And I knew in that moment that the chemicals had hit that part of my brain. And so my husband and daughter call those the zombie years because I wasn't emotionally available. I'm not saying to other people, don't take them. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is my story and my experience with that. And so, um, and the doctors were trying to find ways to help that, you know, when they took out half of the thyroid with the lump on it, they said, you know, you should be fine. And I wasn't afterwards. So all of these pieces were compounding the financial part, the lack of, excuse me, sleep, all of it. And um, I was invited to a book club. And in this book club were very, very wealthy people. And um, and one of them, her husband would pay thousands of dollars for her to go once a year for over a week up to Santa Rosa, where they would sit in silence and meditate and have hushed, quiet dinners. And other people had very similar experiences to this. And then there's me, who I came in and was super excited to hear that other people could get to that quiet place. But for me, it was much more of a moving my freight train mind, all these ideas that I have and getting pieces of paper and writing down and putting headings in different colors and using different colors of pens and writing down the things I needed to get done. You know, the shopping list for Christmas, the let's do this, this summer list that I need to work on these photo albums, whatever it happened to be, right? I could get the ideas out of my brain and I called it a brain dump, but I'd never get to a place where I could actually be very quiet. And in this group, as we're discussing meditation, there was somebody there who did Qigong and had she offered, I was at a point, I was willing, I was open. I would have absolutely tried it. Uh, She didn't offer. There was someone else who offered me 15 minutes of Reiki And I went and it was life-changing for me. I went home that night after a 15-minute session and I slept the best that I had in four years. And I thought, I have to learn this. And there was a little bit of space on one last credit card. And I said to my husband, I need to learn this so I can help you and our daughter be able to sleep better. Never intending ever to teach, to share with anybody. It was survival. I just needed to find, I had found a non-drug path for myself that made sense. And if it allowed me to sleep, you know, 
if you go into a psychiatric ward, one of the things that, at least when my sister was in, they'd have a great big sign that would say, talking about how important sleep is, and it's the number one indicator for somebody's mental health. And so I knew for myself that I needed to be sleeping better, and Reiki was that pathway in for me. And so what I learned out of that is that energy is everything, and everything is energy. And it took a while for that to really seep in for me. But then I learned, therefore, if that's true, that energy is money and money is energy, took a while for that to seep in. But if that's true, then money is about self-image. And if that's true, then it comes back to me and my understanding of Papa being that we are made in the image of, right? Mm -hmm. That there is a creator, there is divine intelligence. And so I began to see that each of these pieces were unlocking, they were opening up for me in ways of me understanding a whole bunch of different things. But Reiki for me at my first attunement, I felt this expansion in my spiritual walk. And I had been doing devotions. I had been doing quiet time in the morning. But this all of a sudden was like taking an old blanket and just shaking it out and letting all of the dust go and putting it down anew and saying, oh, what should be on the blanket? What really deserves to be in this space that I consider my spiritual part of my life, right? And so began to be very intentional about what was going in there, very intentional and removing pieces that didn't for me need to be there for that period of time and being bringing pieces in that were. And truly sitting inside of, you know, Brian Tracy talks about this in his book, Maximum Achievement, sitting in that space of I love myself. And um, I would spend time quietly every single morning, even on days when it did not feel true, working on that because I knew that it needed to start at home. And if I couldn't love myself, then I really couldn't love anybody else, including the hundreds of kids that I work with. And so it needed to start in the home square. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you say that everything is energy and it took time to understand that. And then money is energy, energy is money, and that it took time to understand that because I have definitely gone through that and been like, the first few times I heard that I was like, what? <laughs> so if for you soul listener who who's listening right now, if this is the first time you've heard that, it's okay. It's okay because it took me time to fully understand that too. And sometimes I forget, you know, sometimes I forget that everything is energy, that this, this podcast is energy, that, you know, our time is energy. And like Sarah said, just being intentional with it and you really getting to choose what you do with that. So thank you for sharing that every, everything is energy and that it took time and energy to understand what that actually means. Cause like I said, the first time I, the first few times I was like, I have no idea what that means. I need to make money. <laughs> exactly. And I, and how important our verbiage is, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I was talking in the beginning also, I wanted to make money and realize that there became this, oh, if I change it to earn money, mm-hmm. If that's what I want, do I want to be earning more money or do I want to be gifted money? You know, what is it that I'm looking for in that? And then to kind of sit inside of that and to feel what the energy of each of those words is. Mm -hmm. And there's a season and space for so many different pieces of this. And wherever you happen to be, you are right where you are supposed to be in your own evolution, your own understanding um, for any of these parts of the conversation that we are having. Yes. And I love that you say, the, the verbiage that we use, because when I think of money, I think of it as I'm receiving it, <laughs> that it is just flowing into my life. And when I'm not doing that and I'm, cause there are times where, you know, I go into that scarcity mindset. I go into a lack mentality and it's true. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I catch myself saying I need, and then therefore I need more. And so I'm learning to nip that in the butt really quickly and, and to, to change that again. And I think one of the greatest pieces that I had learned out of the 2008 was, and I didn't have the words for this at the time, I just knew I needed to do this, was that when we are in spaces of financial need, 
that actually is the hand in the lower part of our back pushing us into spaces of creativity because it's in those spaces that we begin to look beyond what we have been doing and the way we've been doing it because we are looking to have a different outcome and therefore we need to we choose to begin to look at well do I have other dreams and desires are there other things that I really am interested in looking at or is there a different way because we all only have so much energy in a day we all only have you know, days, right? Days and nights. And so figuring out um, how we can creatively begin to take our our life lessons, begin to take the things that we know or the the skills and tools that we have and begin to look at them differently. Can we repackage them differently? Can we do something different? But when I move into a space of scarcity, so to speak, that is my absolute signal today. I now understand that intentionally I need to start moving into the creative space. Yeah. Thank you for, th- for that. I love that because I need that reminder often. Um, but I would love to share with something that I have been learning recently about praying differently, if you're open to this. I'm so open to it. So it is based on pieces of people have a Judeo-Christian uh, background that they may recognize parts of this. Um, but there is this, in Matthew, it talks, St. Matthew talks about the Lord's Prayer. And in that, it talks about our Father in Heaven. And the, the expansion for me um, over the last few months has been that for some people, that's going to be a triune God, right? It's going to be Father, Son, and Spirit. And the ancients always knew, by the way, that Spirit was feminine energy. So let that just sit with you just for a moment. Mm-hmm. That the ancients always knew that Spirit was feminine. But for some people, it's going to be a triune. For some people, perhaps they're doing more of a shamanic walk. They're going to have other um, entities or people in that group. Um, if you are someone who has read um, Napoleon Hill, he talks about a mastermind. So maybe you're going to have a, the group of 12, right? That mastermind that happens to be there. But it's going to be um, personalities or energy that you connect in with that gives you information, that feeds you um, the next step for what you are looking for. And that can be different on different days. That group is going to be the group that you're going to be calling upon as you bring to them rather than the need, as Jim Rohn used to talk about, don't bring me your need, bring me your seed, bring me what it is that you're growing. And so coming to that space with excitement, with jubilation to say, I have the best news to share with you. And then whatever it is that you are seeing that there is lack in, You are flipping that to tell them how incredible it is because it's already been fixed. Because we keep saying, see the end and then hold that energy and then allow other things to come into space that will help move you into those circumstances, into that space. But yet my prayer life continued to be, you know, Aunt Matilda hurt her toe and, you know, Johnny needs X. and. It, it, I was bringing this incredible list. I mean, it was lengthy of of things that I saw that weren't right, that weren't. And so I am newer into this dance of how I'm learning to pray this way. Mm-hmm. But it's using that from St. Matthew and then using from Genesis 1-1 when God spoke, spoke the word. And then things began to happen. Things began to create. And he wasn't speaking words of there's lack. There was darkness, Yes. But the words were, let there be light. Mm-hmm. It wasn't take away the darkness. And so I just, inside of that, I just encourage anybody who is interested in learning and, and playing with that and seeing how those concepts work for them. Um, it has been transformative, truly transformative for me. That's interesting because it almost seems as if, so how my brain received that is that it almost sounds as if you are speaking of this vision board. You're already seeing it as it is instead of just listing things and you're seeing and you're seeing them grow and you're speaking them into growth and allowing them to, to form through this prayer. Is that, is that, did I, did I get that? Okay. I love the idea of the vision board because that's what you're announcing, right? It's all complete. Here's the picture of it already done to the best and the highest. Every single person is capable. Every person is, 
um, healthy. Every person has. And so going through whatever those words are that you are, that is the opposite of what, you know, the, the, the list of lack, the lack list. Mm -hmm, Ah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I would like to share something as far as I pray. Like I, I don't claim a religion. I did grow up in a Christian school. So I, I went to chapel every Tuesday. I didn't really pay much attention though, but I do believe in source in Papa and I've actually adopted Papa. Um, it just feels comforting to me. So thank you for sharing that with me a while ago. Absolutely, but yes. I, when I pray, I guess I do pray in a similar manner, but I pray with a lot of gratitude for the things that I am putting into motion as if they have already happened. I am praying and giving gratitude for the past that has allowed me to grow. I'm praying and giving gratitude for the present and, and for the current learning lessons <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Oh man. And I think like you said earlier that, you know, sometimes when we're in those moments and they are challenging, those are when the biggest lessons occur. And I don't know if you do yoga, but that to me is the yoga. Like it's not the actual practice of yoga in the classroom and in a posture. It's, it's the practice of being in it and navigating it in a different way. And however that, that is, is the lesson, right? And when my yoga teacher says to me, and be calm, I can tell she's looking at my face that has the, ah, look on it, right? And, and then I'm able to move from one position into the next and be calm about it. And it's a completely different experience. It's, it's still moving from one place to the other. The body looks very similar, but yet the internal part is completely shifted. And, um, you know, they used to paint on the walls um, in... In London, during the bombing of World War II, um, keep calm and carry on. And I know we've seen it. It's been a sloganized, you know, all those kinds of things. But yet the, the essence of that is life is happening around us. Mm-hmm. Life experiences are going on around us. There are people whose lives that we intersect with who are in deep crisis. Mm-hmm. And that, that whole idea of be present, be present. And then decide from this deep side, this deep well inside of you, how you want to next move forward with that. And I understand that extroverts need to talk it out in order to process their thinking and that introverts need to have a quiet space to think through their thoughts in order to come to a conclusion. I, I, I understand and the whole variation in between. Yet when somebody shows up in our life and they're asking us for help or asking us for advice, we get to take that time to think about our life and the lessons that we've learned and then to share it that way and say, this is what I've learned. This is where I have been. Mm-hmm. Do with this as you wish yeah. and, and go from that space. And so I, I just love the idea of people sharing their learning and so that I can live more intentionally. Yeah. So I can be adding pieces into my life um, that make my life uh, more enriched, that make my life uh, a valued life. And again, and I know I say this on a lot of the episodes, but that is the purpose of the unfiltered soul is because life is happening and we are lucky that life is happening because if it's not, we're not here. And as much as we feel alone in crisis or in challenging situations, we're not because everybody is going through something, whether they want to admit it or not. whether they think they're in one or not, whether they are in one or not, but allowing everybody who comes on here to use their voice and to share how they've been able to move through that and the lessons that they got to learn through those challenging times, because you never know who needs to hear what you've been through. You know, you you never know who needs to hear how you were able to move through it and, and what you were able to learn through crisis. So thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experiences. I'm so happy to have you here, Sarah. Haley, I am so excited that you are faithfully choosing to show up and then to talk with people, to interview them, to 
ask their nuggets about life, for them to come and be vulnerable as space to be completely unfiltered and to have no judgment about that. And what a gift that is. And thank you for the gift of being here because I've been able to share my story in ways that I have wanted to, but have felt like the spacing wasn't right for it. And you, my friend, are the exact perfect, unfiltered, zero judgment space. And I thank you so much for that. Oh, thank you, Sarah. That means so much to me to hear it, for you to say it in that way. Thank you so much for for those kind words. I'm beyond filled with gratitude is all I can say. One thing I do want to mention, though, before we head out today is right before this interview, I was doing your meditations. And I would love for you to share what I'm talking about, because you are the creator of these. And I know we love meditation, you and I both, and some of the listeners love meditation. And you guys, all I can say is, I've already told you how special Sarah is, but her meditations... They just take me somewhere else and so quickly. So Sarah, will you just kind of let us know what those are? Absolutely. They're called Reiki-infused meditations. And I'm happy to share the link with you, Haley. Yes, I can add it to the show notes. Beautiful. Absolutely. And um, the inspiration came actually with somebody else speaking into my life saying, you're doing these, but you need to share them with not just the people who show up in your living room. You need to be sharing them and a wider audience. And so in my world, one of the gifts of the pandemic was time, time to be able to um, organize and record and begin to put this growing library together. But every single meditation is Reiki infused. Each one of them um, is recorded in the spirit of, of understanding that the next word that comes out is the word that needs to follow the previous word. And um, I'm so excited about the lives that it's changing and touching Um, I have received numerous um, emails and texts and cards and um, people just sharing exactly what you have shared. And so um, it is my honor to share this gift with other people. And it is something that I'm super excited about all the way through. So thank you so much for Haley for putting that plug in for Reiki Infused Meditations by Sarah Stockham. Oh, absolutely. I, I, if it wasn't for this interview... I wouldn't have come out of it. (laughs) I had a timer. I had a timer, Sarah. And I was like, okay, I know I have 10 more minutes before I have to hop on this call. I'm going to just sit here for a few more. (laughs) So they are amazing. I feel instantly grounded. That's just my experience with them. But I feel instantly grounded, instantly in my body. And I have just been able to go deeper with with these meditations and I don't it's probably because they are reiki infused you know I was a big fan of meditation apps before I love them but like I said I didn't have this understanding or this experience with meditation or reiki until I met you Sarah so I just want to say thank you again for entering my life and teaching me um, I did my attunement through or Sarah did my attunement so I'm just I'm grateful for you because it has truly changed my life. Well, Haley, the beautiful thing about Reiki is it's healing for absolutely every single person. And so um, some of us learn it earlier in life and some of us are introduced later. And I was one of those uh, later ones, Uh, but the way that it's impacted my life, it's a very individual for each person, but it truly is this incredible dance with healing energy and this internal conversation that becomes expansive without judgment Um, holding space for ourselves, holding space for others. And it sounds very woo-woo. And um, I said to my husband soon after I had learned Reiki and um, I became a Reiki master and began teaching classes and having um, online sessions and also in-person sessions because my Reiki master moved out of the area. And so had that not happened, I would not have moved into this space. And I came home one day and I was just all worked up. And I said, you know, I'm just having hard words, have a hard time finding the words to explain what Reiki is to people. You know, their eyes just kind of glaze over. And he looked at me and said, Sarah, it's just like peace. If a person has never experienced peace in their life, you can use all the words that you want, but they have no no energy to connect that to in order to mem- to remember what that was like. 
And so um, I encourage people to try Reiki, but I also encourage people to ask questions before they have somebody do Reiki on them or with them. Um, and that's just part of my own personal. I always check out and ask questions. But if you're looking for somebody who's amazing, my friend Haley here, she's incredible. And so um, you can ask her about Reiki as well. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I love how your husband said it's just like peace. That clicks so much. And I have too. I have struggled to explain Reiki and, and that that's just it. It's it's peace, it's remembering, it's love, it's, oh, wow. Sarah, where can we find you? You're on Instagram. Tell us where, tell us where you're hanging out. Absolutely. Um, at Reiki Claremont, uh, because I'm here in Claremont, California. Um, also, Sarah at ReikiClaremont.com is an easy way to email me. And I'm on Facebook, on Instagram, and super excited about all of the things, all the different ways that technology over this last bit of time has been able to help us stay connected and to be growing in communities um, that we didn't necessarily see a couple years ago. And so I'm very, very excited for that. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today and opening up and unfiltering and just being very vulnerable with us. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you as well. And just um, big heart hugs to all of your soul listeners. Uh, Thank you so much for spending this time with us. And it has just been an honor to be here with you. Mm, I love that. We'll see you next week, souls. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I hope you loved it as much as I did. Like I said, again, Sarah is amazing and I learned something every time I talk to her and I hope you learned so much from this episode. She did mention that I do Reiki and I also want to let you know if you don't know already that I am now offering breathwork sessions. So what that is, is I I help you breathe intentionally. So when you have a session with me, we will set an intention of things that you want to work through, or maybe you have a question and you want some answers, or maybe you want to, you know, move some, some blocks or just move some stagnant energy. We would do that together by breathing and we do it to music. So If you want to learn more about that, head to my website, HaleyNavarro.com slash breathwork. There's so much that you can, you know, read through just from there. There's a ton of info if you need to kind of look through it and just, you know, if it's right for you or not. But what I want to do today is I want to offer you 50% off your first session with me. So if you are interested, again, HaleyNavarro.com slash breathwork. When you do decide to book an appointment, there is an area that has a coupon code. I I think it says redeem coupon or something, but you will put in the code SOUL, S-O-U-L, and that SOUL code gives you 50% off. So again, HaleyNavarro.com slash breathwork for 50% off. Use the code SOUL, and I'm so excited to work with you. You don't even know. Breathwork is life changing. And if you haven't already listened to the episode that I recently recorded on my first experience with breathwork, I highly recommend it. Book your session at HaleyNavarro.com slash breathwork. Soul gets you 50% off. I'll see you soon.